You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we Lost fans, I am Will Link. I'm Megan Salinas. And we had to go back. We had to go back to the island. <laughs> I disagree with that assessment, but... <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of our Lost <laughs> podcast. That we'd like to call No, no Love, Love Lost. Lost. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay so for those of you who have followed me and megan in other avenues other podcasts other places yeah we've been talking about tv together for years now yeah um particularly orphan black and and we've been threatening to possibly go down <laughs> this hole uh i am a, a very passionate lost fan i love this show and when I say I love this show, I mean I love every second of this show. <laughs> I love the ending, the much controversial ending of this show that people are like, man, Lost really like spit the bit at the end. <laughs> Nobody says spit the bit, but they like Lost, <laughs> I was Lost say. spit the bit. <laughs> Did at you the go end back in time like everybody thought they? Well, never mind. That's jumping ahead. And but but the people who go like, man, it, it really lost at the end. I'm like, no, I think it ended perfectly. You're right, Will. They didn't lose it at the end. They lost it long long before the end the ending was just the giant middle finger to cap off the whole affair now megan you have as you've just explained you have a different view of lost yeah i'm i was a big fan of lost um i and i have a lot of fond memories of watching lost i really loved the first couple seasons and it actually became a weekly tradition for me and my college friends to sit down once every week and catch that week's episode. I would go over to their dorm and watch it with them. And I did that for years, for all four years of college. And then when um, when Lost wrapped up, like I, I sat down and watched it with friends um, to, to watch it all come together. And there... There was a point where prior to the finale, like during one of the middle seasons where I realized I was watching a bad show, but I was already in too deep. It was the it was the the way I I, I look at it is like it's the moment where you realize you're in a relationship that isn't going to work out, but you don't know how to leave it yet. <laughs> so at what point was that? for you was it time travel was it the freighter i i know the exact moment but i kind of want to i kind of want to hold on to that until we get there but i i will say that there is a moment i want to say it's season four where where i knew and i know the exact line and i'm that i'm holding on to it because i want to wait until we get there before because i want to be like this this was the moment 
a year from now when we get there. <laughs> uh, more than a year from now, probably. Uh, so let me let me say this. I guess this is what we should say the thesis statement of this podcast is. This is a show for people who are familiar with loss. This is a show where we're going to go back and I guess... I'm going to try to convince you it's good. <laughs> You're going to try to convince me where it went wrong. And we're kind of, kind of, kind of relive it. So yeah. it, when we talk about some episodes, we might say like, but here's the thing. This makes no sense because blah, 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 three years later. Yeah, this is not a podcast meant for anybody who's intending to go through Lost from beginning to end and experience it blind. Uh, this is a podcast meant for people who either don't care about spoilers or people who have watched it and have their set opinion, whether it's a pro or con. And and it, that's one of the things we wanted to do is because this is such a controversial show and this is a show that devotes a lot of high emotions. And I think people who have watched it will have a good time coming back and rewatching it or remembering things about it and remembering why they disliked it yeah. or liked it. Uh, to, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so we should probably start. You, you said I, a little bit about your relationship with Lost and it seemed to be very much around around friends. Uh, for, for a good while it was, but that for the first season it was all about the storytelling. Um, 100% I would not have been enthralled to the point where I would go over to watch it with friends if I wasn't already in it to win it at that point. I just happened to meet people who were also really into it at the time. I think what's funny is, for me, the experience of the show is, is twofold. One, it's the first show that I ever, that ever made me do research. Ah. That it was the first show that I would every day after Lost of the Air, <laughs> and this is before every site had their little recaps, I would go to Entertainment Weekly, and uh, Jeff Jansen, Doc Jansen, he would have these 10-page breakdowns of every episode. He would break down books, characters, or re it was, it was, honestly, it was too in-depth. It was a bit much. But it was the first show oh, that was Doc, like... Oh, Doc, you wasted so much time. I, it, it was... It was fun. Yeah. It was this fun thing that I could bring this extra added thing to. And I also discussed it with my friends all the time. Yeah, I, I, I loved theorizing with my friends. And somehow amongst my friends, I became like the expert amongst my friends. <laughs> my friend Melody, who lived in Vegas, she would call me after an episode and she would say, but Will, why did Daniel Faraday do this? I said, well, don't you remember back in season two... <laughs> Uh, when Desmond said blah, 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 No, blah, I don't was... remember, Will. <laughs> but now I am so far removed from it. The last time I really sat down and watched it was when it went off the air, and that was in 2010. Mm -hmm. So this is already so long ago that going back, I, I've decided to kind of go back and watch Blind. I'm not going back and reading the recaps. I'm not going yeah. back. To, I'm kind of trying to rediscover the show. And I realized watch rewatching the pilot, which we'll get into in a second. Rewatching it, I re there were so many things 
I had forgotten, but then so many things I remembered. Mm -hmm. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, same here. Um, Mostly because they're, you know, love it or hate it, this show has a lot of character development. And where all the characters start off in the pilot is so far different from where things end up, you know, when all is said and done. Um, For for me, um, I was definitely... I guess part of my problem, maybe this is, again, a lot of my problems with the show revolve around expectations and the show failing to meet those expectations. And I have to be honest that I wasn't super paying attention to the marketing right before the show started because they were, I I remember, they were really pushing the two-hour premiere. Yeah. And they were really pushing... uh, the the actor who plays Charlie Dominic, um, whose Dominic name Dominic Monaghan. Yeah, they a Hobbit. Yes, um, did he play Pippin or Mary? Uh, I always uh, got those two Mary. mixed up. Um, but yeah, they were really pushing him because he was the big name at the time because of Lord of the Rings. Um, they were really pushing him being a part of the show. When um, when right before the the pilot aired, I remember thinking that it was going to be a mini series and not the premiere of an actual series. Like, I I thought it was because they had been pushing the two-hour premiere so hard that it was going to be a Stephen King-esque mini series, which was one of the reasons why I was so enthralled at the time. Um, But when I found out it was a regular series, I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, let's see where they take this. But from the... You have to understand, like, my perspective. From the get-go, I had incorrect expectations of this show uh you know it's interesting the way you you said you thought it was a miniseries because the scope of lost was bigger than the scope of maybe any television show network television show at that time uh i almost wouldn't believe that a show like that on network tv would get greenlit now i feel like it would be on netflix or fx or it would have to be on hbo or or yeah uh one of the networks that that would be willing to waste you know risk a lot of money on something like that Uh, the pilot i believe is still the most expensive network pilot at least by far at 12 million dollars they spent on this pilot. i'm guessing most of that went to the plane (laughs) i would also say I think this might be the greatest pilot of all time because it sets up two things really well. One, it does set up a great mystery, which ultimately disappointed you. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And it set up an amazing cast of characters who are all in this pilot given a moment to shine and a moment to stand out. You immediately, the second you meet, any of these people you get or at least kind of get what might be going on with them and the reason why the show stuck the landing for me personally is because i loved these characters so much (laughs) that i found what happened to them at the end of the series to be so emotionally fulfilling yes like i i wept hysterically i was i was a mess i was by myself and i was just tears pouring down and then when it was over i stood up and i continued to cry and i called a friend oh who had also been watching 
but she w- she was ten minutes behind. She didn't answer, so but she obviously didn't oh. answer the phone. But she was ten minutes behind because something got screwed up with her DVR or something when she went to watch it. And so I called another friend who I didn't even watch the show, <laughs> and I got on the phone with her, and I was like, "Hey, Allie," and she's like, "She's like, oh, did you watch? You watch your loss?" I said, "Yeah," <laughs> and she's like, "You watched your loss?" She's like, "Did you like it?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> Ali sounds so sweet. <laughs> yeah, and then my friend who watched it beeped in on the phone. I'm like, oh, it's Melody. I'm gonna take it. She was watching. Um, <laughs> I really wish we could show our audience a split screen of of our two reactions. Like you're on the phone with friends. Um, weeping with emotional catharsis. Meanwhile, cut to me and my friend who we were watch who we were watching together, and we both just have the most perplexed, angry looks on our faces because we went, "No, they didn't. They didn't. You sons of bitches! Oh no!" So I think we've done a really good job of establishing where you and I are coming at this thing from. So now we should probably get into the meat and potatoes of this. We should get into the episode. I, I will say that the only other thing I want to say is that there there is a valid argument to be had um, in terms of, again, regardless of what you think of the ending, it's not the journey, or it's not the destination, it's the journey. Yes. I present the counterpoint of that's true, but if... What, like when you get to your destination, your traveling compatriot punches you in the face, steals your car, and then leaves you there. That yeah, you're gonna have a lot of bad feelings about the journey as a whole. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and you're stuck there now without a car. Uh, since I'm not gonna be able to wait till the final episode to say this, uh, I'll say one other thing about the finale before we go back to the beginning. We've got to go back. But oh, we're gonna use that joke so much. <laughs> I'm probably gonna use it literally every episode. <laughs> uh, my friend Larissa uh, was a fan of the show. She was on Long Island. She's an old friend, but she's a friend I don't see that much anymore mm-hmm. because she lives three thousand miles away. And uh, you know, we see each other maybe once a year, and we talk maybe three or four times. And I talked to her after Lost, and she said. I find it so beautiful, because she loved it too. She's like, I find it so beautiful that these people all had to find each other again to move on. Spoiler alert, I guess. (laughs) Well, we already said that this is for people. And she said, uh, I'd like to think that when I die, like – you're one of the people I'd have to find. Oh, and I'm that's like, I'm really like, sweet. And see, that's where I come to all this with. But let's go back before we knew any of this shit. Before we knew. Before we- the writers were really annoyed that everybody figured out the purgatory twist and had to wait six seasons before that final reveal. <laughs> it's not purgatory, but we'll get into that. I mean, it was gonna be. <laughs> let's we'll, be real. We'll get into that. But Probably. let's take us I don't back know. I'm not that. in the writer's room. Fateful night of September 22nd, 2004. That was a cool night. And Lost, the pilot, part one and part two. We'll break it down now. It begins with the iconic shot of Jack's eye opening. Yeah. Um, 
I, I will give the show this. It definitely uh, it knew where, like, in terms of being cyclical where it wanted to go. But, um, oh, my goodness. I have to, like, as much as, like, I'm really angry about what this show did to me, you're not going to hear me complaining a lot about, like, the episodes in this first season. And this pilot in particular is so freaking good. I'm convinced that this is what kept me watching this pilot and how good it is is what kept me watching all through the crappy seasons uh, there's a reason this pilot won the emmy jj abrams won for directing it and i think the opening sequence is so brilliantly directed yes. because jack wakes up and you have no real sense of where he is it's or what has happened visual storytelling and there's a great shot when he finally stumbles onto the beach and Vincent the dog is there and he's and you just get glimpses. Like he's got the little mini vodka bottle in his yeah. pocket and, and there's a shoe and in the he's, tree. He's wincing from um, a particular part on his back. Like you know that like like when everything shakes out uh, as the episode goes on, you're like, oh, that's what that was all about. And when he stumbles onto the beach, the reveal of the crash is done really well the way the camera moves around him then back to him and then we see the 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 crash it is insanely gripping like the act the all of the performances are so convincing the way it's it's shot is really good at conveying the carnage and the panic well he's it's it's off kilter yeah it throws you off you're as law lost as he is oh we're gonna have a lot of those jokes too that that was not meant to be a joke that was just it's unfortunately the show is named after a very common word (laughs) um but then we get the the scene of the beach itself and the plane crash and again this is this is there's a reason this costs 12 million dollars it looks great all, all of the sets in this first episode look fantastic. And let's not forget, they were filming in Hawaii. Oh, my gosh. It's gorgeous. Every time they have a sunset shot on the beach, it looks beautiful. Like, as I was re-watching this, uh, these two episodes, I was like, oh, man, like, that's the dream job of, like, I'm working on a TV show in Hawaii. And I just, I get to sit by the cameraman and, like, look out at these gorgeous vistas every single day. To me, that I was like, man, I wish I was working in television when this show was being made. So, it is pure chaos on this beach. Uh, The sound of the engine still roaring and smoke, everything is gone insane. And we see all these people kind of stumbling around, kind of confused, kind of in a... And, and you know, it's funny. The first time you watch the show, since a lot of these people weren't necessarily big names, you don't know... You don't if, know who's important, Exactly. Um, you do see Dominic Monaghan's Charlie. Oh, my gosh. He's just stumbling around and there are explosions going on. And what we don't know, but we find out later in the episode, maybe one reason for that isn't just that he's so shell-shocked. He's also high as fuck. High as a kite. He is so high. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, uh, Jack starts doing his savior thing yeah he immediately goes into um 
I guess, leader mode into crisis management mode into there's an emergency. There are 10 emergencies at the hospital right now mode and we are understaffed sort of setting like you can you can see the switch of somebody from like oh my gosh I was just in an accident what happened to immediately taking charge of the situation scoping out and determining who's most in need of medical attention to um, least in need of medical attention and he'll he hops back and forth between a couple of people. He goes and helps one person and then he sees another person. And when he knows that the person he's helping is stabilized or at least in less dire uh, straits than the person he looks at, he runs over to the pregnant woman and then, uh, you know, he's just bouncing back and forth and like correcting a lifeguard who's giving a CPR incorrectly. Like he's just in laser focus there's a disaster there's a disaster there's a disaster it's like iron man's targeting system of like do 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 and then boom i have to go and like take care of all these threats but you know what's so interesting there's like a moment before he rushes in and in retrospect he's doing the thing that he talks about later he's doing that i'll i'll like i don't know what's going on i'll allow myself like the five seconds to be to be disoriented yeah Yeah. to be fearful of what's happening and then i'm going in and then once he goes in he doesn't stop and he tells that great i mean not to skip too far ahead but he tells that great story to kate when he first meets kate and he wants her, her to sew up his wound and she's scared and he tells this amazing story and this is something that comes uh up again and again and again throughout the series this story about the time One. he was operating yeah. and he sliced something wrong and the nerves all spilled out like, like angel, angel hair, hair pasta. pasta. <laughs> and, and he allowed himself five seconds to let the fear come in and then he was like, no more. And he goes into it. And that's something Kate does it later in the episode when she's scared when they're running from the, oh I guess we could all, we just say yeah. smoke monster because oh I don't know what else to call it. It's uh, Chad. <laughs> Because we never really get his name. (laughs) The man in black. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Idris Elba, get on that. The man in black is on this island and you need to take care of him. So, um, you know, it's very interesting. Knowing that about Jack, having already seen the show, like watching it again, I'm like, oh, he's giving himself that moment. something I really like about these two episodes is how complete and cinematic they feel. Like... One of my biggest problems with not just Lost and the way that Lost panned out, but with a lot of series that don't really have a plan when they when they go in or they have a plan and then they get renewed for more seasons than they had plans for um, is for me, the stories I realize in my old age that I really like are ones with beginnings, middles and ends, the ones that adhere to that three act structure, Um, especially when it comes to mysteries and Lost had a lot of mysteries. And something this pilot has is a really, it's got good structure to it. There's good setup and good payoff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mysteries getting set up. But in terms of character development stuff, there's really good setup and really good payoff. And we get that mostly through Jack and Kate in, in these two episodes, in my opinion. And that counting, oops, sorry, <laughs> like hit the mic. <laughs> Um, But that counting is a really good example of 
thoughtful storytelling. And it's that thoughtful storytelling and development and attention to detail um, and, you know, character interaction and progression that really drew me into this series in the first place. Um, And another, just a a little tiny detail is that you can see the, like when she first walks into the frame, you can't see it very well, but Kate has the, the handcuff wounds around her wrists. And it's like, oh man, like that was a detail I never noticed when I was watching this for the first time, but makes complete and total sense with what gets revealed later. There's so much thought that goes into the little details of this series, which is one of the reasons why it was so entrancing to watch. Um, you're talking about the characters. There are 14 That's a lot basically for lack of a better main characters here. Let's be real, though. They could have cut that down. <laughs> well, they, start by the, they started eventually cutting it down, but then they kept adding more. So, um, I always, You always knew a character was, like, doomed to die whenever, like, later on down the road, whenever they're like, you're always complaining that you're never a part of the action. Come on, let's go get involved, and we'll talk about them later. Well, speaking of uh, death, uh, you mentioned a certain lifeguard. Yeah, Boone. Boone, which it was nice to see. Yeah, he's gonna die eventually. Um, <laughs> um, but it was it was I I it was fun to see him and and Shannon again. Uh, it was fun to see him well, in that in that opening scene. He is so cute. Like when when all of the the main action has died down and he just runs up to Jack with a cornucopia of pens because he, he goes, took the idea yeah. of doing a tracheomony with a pen and and jack was being very sarcastic when he's like yeah go get a pen and he comes back with a handful of pens earnestly saying i didn't know which one would work best and that's it's such a precious funny moment but also well, like in the wake of this tragedy it's just this kid trying to do his best to help out because we have so many of them i, I was thinking maybe we can focus like do a little bit of where everybody is at the beginning. Yeah, of that this. that totally works. Um, and and Boone because there's a lot of info to cover. Yeah. yeah, and Boone in particular there, that moment that you just said says everything about this character. This is what I mean. Like they do so much with so little. He's, you know, he's not the the smartest. He's not the best, but he wants to try and he wants to be good and he wants to do good and that's very important to him. And we immediately just from the fact. Not just that we saw him trying to help before, but that little thing that he comes back with pens. Like, oh, man, this guy was running around because he thought this was... Does anyone have a pen? Does anyone have a pen? Do you have a pen? And like, ah. Uh. This is the thing that he thought he had to do to help. And it's very admirable. Now, his sister... I mean, honestly, actually, that kind of sums up his entire character arc in a nutshell. It's, yeah. He tried so hard. He worked really hard and in earnest and ultimately amounted to nothing. Like, that's his character arc. Yeah. That's him as a character, and it's encapsulated in this opening scene. Yeah. Um, his <laughs> sister, Shannon, we also Played see. Played by Maggie Grace. Yes. Uh, um, and, you know, I, I said, like, it was nice to see her again, but that's also with the foreknowledge of where this character goes, because clearly she's... I don't know, man. I, I looked at her, and like, uh, and, like, even knowing where she goes, I'm sitting here and going, like, what a wasted character. I I, le- I think the acting is great, and I'm not saying that every character who gets introduced 
ultimately has to be super important or ultimately has to have a fulfilling character arc. But looking at her and Boone, I'm like, your story arcs go nowhere. You both die like idiots. And <laughs> so why why do I have to sit here and put up with you two being annoying? That my 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 only complaint about the I have two main complaints about the pilot, and it's that these two characters and Michael um, and Walt, like, ultimately their story arcs go nowhere, so I'm like, why are we wasting time on you all here? Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about well, it later, yeah. but then the polar bear. Because this is, this is a challenge of talking about the show, because I would agree with you, a lot of Walt goes nowhere, but as we re-examine the series watching it, because we have to talk about yeah. it, we, we should try to figure out, like, I mean... We'll get into it. In we'll later get into episodes. it, but but for me, like the only problem going back and rewatching this pilot is knowing you die, you die, you die, and you're fine, but ultimately your powers don't matter. And then and then there's a polar bear, and I'm like, ah, this is where you can start to see some of the cracks um, on the surface, even here at the beginning. Well, with Shannon, throughout the episode. I did start to like she has one one little speech she gives later about uh, uh, can I find it um, you know where she starts crying over someone who she thought she was mean to yeah who's dead there who was mean at the gate and, um, and, and, I, I, and she's like he saved our lives and I do think that. I, I do feel for her. I do think sometimes the way people react and grieve, like, yeah, she was she was painting her nails and she was, like, sunbathing herself, but it, it, no. I think it's a way to avoid the reality no. of what she's in, dealing with. In the context of, this, of these episodes, these four characters and their introductions are fine. It's just my foresight knowing what their character arcs amount to that makes me annoyed. I'm like, oh, you're introducing these people. It would have been really nice for them to grow and change and do something useful before so, they die. <laughs> so do you have less sympathy for them than you did then? I, like, do you, like, when you were watching this back in 2004, did you have sympathy for Shannon, but now you have less because you just don't like where she goes? It's, it's less of a, I, I'm annoyed with her as a character and more I'm annoyed with the writers because they clearly set her up for a character arc and ultimately it doesn't matter because she dies for someone else's man pain. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, you introduce characters like that. They don't, I mean, it's good to introduce flawed characters and I, I think, so that they can have characters. Well, let's, let's stick to Let's stick to the task at yeah. hand. And in this episode, I think they do a great job establishing too. You mentioned Michael and Walt. Uh, when we first seen... Really good job setting up their strained dynamic. Yeah. And when we first see Michael during the crash, he's looking for Walt. He's yelling for Walt. Something that he will be doing for... The... If that's not his character arc in a nutshell. Walt! Um, Jin and Sun. Oh my gosh. So much said with so little. Yeah. And the acting. Oh, I love these two. Am, I love these two so am, much. Am I also crazy? Even though he's like, you know, and we learn more about his character and we start to understand the way he, why he is the way he is. 
But am I wrong thinking back in 2004, it seems crazy to me that they would have two characters that for at least a good chunk of their time on the show have subtitled backstories, whole episodes that have all these subtitles, stuff like that, that the two non-English speaking characters. I think it was very forward thinking of the show. I feel like a lot of the casting in this was very forward thinking. Um, you know, there's still the majority white people, but like the the fact that you have any diversity in the cast at all says a lot and, and that you would have entire episodes taking place in the home country of these two characters, like that says a lot about, you know, the 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 level of respect that well, went into to this casting and all these characters. Saeed would be another great example of that. Oh my gosh. And and, and Naveen Andrews is always great it, on this show. Kills it. Especially during a time where and and I'm not saying it doesn't exist right now, but Islamophobia was still at a pretty high rate in this country during 2004 I, and I it's it's still really high now. I mean freaking Muslim ban. Let's let's not even go into it, but it was really great of this show to be like, "Hey, let's let's put a character who's from Iraq who fought for the bad guys." The quote unquote. One of my favorite moments in the episode and one that I had remembered very vividly about Sage's character was when Hurley's like, "Oh, I had a friend who felt yeah. like a Oh, what were you, Air Force or whatever?" And he goes, uh, "Republican Guard or whatever." And there's just this awkward silence after that. And this is after everybody had come to his defense after Sawyer had called him a terrorist. Which I want to get into that Sawyer stuff in a minute. It's interesting. We don't really see Sawyer during the crash, from what I remember. We see him after the fact. There's just this shot of this guy who's like brooding, and the only reason you realize he's going to be important is because the camera's lingering on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I really like the way they they set him up as like I, I made the comparison to this being uh, very much like a Stephen King miniseries. To me, if this was a Stephen King miniseries, he would have been the archetypal Stephen King redneck bad guy, yep. like the the guy who's like I'm a criminal and I'm here because I'm narrow minded and I'm angry about stuff. Well, maybe we should then get into it because we are we are a little all over the place and because it's it's funny the. There's, it's a big cast. It's a big cast. And if we want to talk about these people, the first time that we really get into Sawyer in this episode is when we see him fighting with Saeed. It's they, Jack and Kate and, and I mean, Charlie that's... had been off on an adventure that we'll, we'll get into in a second. But they come back and there's this fight. And it's in the middle of the fight. And I had forgotten this is how Sawyer was introduced. And I had forgotten that he was introduced as a racist dick <laughs> because Sawyer becomes maybe my favorite character on the show. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't in love with Josh Holloway for a couple years. Yeah. Um, both Josh Holloway and Matthew Fox. Like, let's be real. Kate, I feel your pain. Um, <laughs> that love triangle went on for way too long. Um, but I feel your pain. Um, yeah, no, it, it's very funny looking back at the way that Sawyer is introduced in these two episodes and, you know, him being accused of being the criminal that, you know, that the air marshal was looking after because he is, in fact, a con man, as we'll find out later on. So yeah. he's like, yeah, sure, I'll embrace the title of being the criminal if that makes you guys feel better. 
it, it's funny, like Saeed and Sawyer later in this episode, they really pull like a breakfast club on each other. Like you just put me in this label. You see me as you want to see me. Like they're like, <laughs> I'm the terrorist. Like, I'm the criminal. That's that's how Lost should have ended is uh, Sawyer walking on the beach during the sunset and he just throws his fist up in the air as don't you forget about me. <laughs> That'd be a great... We are the breakfast club. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, so the Sawyer introduction, it was like revisiting the show. And, and and if any of you out there decide to revisit with us, think back how much you end up loving Sawyer. And then watch him in this episode and be like, oh, he is the least lovable person there could be. I Racist mean, dick. When he pulls out a gun, you are legitimately concerned because he has been nothing but irritable and unstable and very racist. But you know what? It, this point the television loss is also around the time that television was getting a lot more sophisticated yeah uh i mean we had the sopranos which is kind of the start of that had already come but this is a time where i mean television was changing it was it was in the middle of an evolution process at this time i think when loss started we still expected tv to fit into stereotypes and we weren't necessarily looking for it. Now I feel like if Lost aired today, we would immediately be like, that guy's a racist dick, but I bet you we're going to love him eventually. But at the time, I don't think we were necessarily conditioned in network television to well, see long-form changing of characters. Well, I think also that much in the same way that The Crash is very disorienting for all of the, all of, you know, the entire cast of characters – we as the audience are right in it with them in terms of like, I don't know anybody, you know, on this island with me. I don't know who to trust. Like the people you start to like and trust turn out to be criminals, um, you know, vice versa. So w- the audience is very much in the same boat as a lot of the characters in that, like, I don't know who to trust in this emergency scenario. Like there's this lovable rock star who's also a drug addict and you wouldn't know that when you're just chit-chatting with him yeah um but you know as as we see like he puts himself in dangerous situations to get high and that's not good um we also have claire the pregnant woman that we discussed Mm -hmm. before um and you know you 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 get a sense (laughs) Of her, you get a sense that there's more behind. Like, she doesn't even know the gender of the baby. Like, there's, there's things that she's clearly distancing herself from her own and it's, pregnancy it's already. Weird. The seeds of that are already It's placed. weird that she would be traveling via airplane, via a long airplane ride at all. This late. This late into her pregnancy. By so, herself. So there's clearly a story there. But at the same time, like, you're... I love how i think probably actually my favorite interaction uh, it's not my favorite moment but i think my favorite character interaction in this episode is when she finally feels the baby moving again after after the crash and um jin just happens to be there and she grabs him by the hand and makes him the most feel... awkward person <laughs> to be there and he's just like what's happening <laughs> and um it's just again it's one of those moments where the foresight of like knowing where his character goes and the fact that he'll be a father someday it's like oh well, that's it, a very sweet moment it's so interesting the sun and jin thing because they are so, they have already 
are already alienating themselves from everybody else. Um, knowing that Sun can speak English. Oh, so good. And seeing the way she's playing it in retrospect is kind of fascinating. Like there's a yeah. moment where Michael comes up to her and you could tell she wants to answer him and you could tell she understands and it's just the briefest of seconds. And again, it's the thing that I don't think the first time through I picked up on. It's such good acting. Um, and I, I think my favorite thing about them and the way that they're presented in this episode is that they're presented in a very archetypal, stereotypical way. And that as this season goes on, this season will completely subvert what we see here in the pilot. Because what we see is him being the domineering husband and her being the submissive, stereotypical Asian housewife. And as we, you know, when we find out more about them, that entire setup is completely subverted. And I adore that because there's nothing worse um, than casting via stereotype or or adhering to a stereotype in your tor- in your storytelling. So I really loved that, you know, in 2004, they were subverting this particular trope. Um, Hurley. We've got to get to Hurley. Oh, he's still so lovable. He's already, like, and he's already in this episode, the comic relief. Yeah. He, he faints. Dude, I'm starving, but, like, I am not that hungry. <laughs> yeah. And just the smile on his face when he's doing that it's, feels so genuine. It's genuine warmth. Like, you really get the sense. Like, in, in a lot of his scenes, I feel like it's just a guy talking and someone just happened to start rolling a camera. Yeah. Like, it feels like an authentic guy who's just in this really bad scenario. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're pinballing a lot here. As the series goes on, each episode kind of focuses more on one person, which will make yeah. it a little easier to this, talk. But we have to... This pilot has three flashback characters yeah. in it. And we'll... I've, Let's break down the flashbacks in a second. But the last one I want to focus on before we get is is John Locke. Oh my gosh, they present him as so creepy. I didn't remember them presenting him so creepy. I did. And I remembered (laughs) when we get to the third episode, which is Walkabout, which is what we find out that, that John Locke had been previously paralyzed um that that episode was so brilliant to me because then everything clicked yeah about why he had been because i remember finding him creepy in these episodes because he's like always always staring off into the ocean but not in a like i don't know what we're gonna do way in like this very like this was all meant to be sort of way and it, like it's really creepy i mean one of the first things he says in a character interaction is talking to a 10-year-old boy and goes, hey, can you keep a secret? I was like, Jesus Christ, John yeah. Locke. No, that, bad luck. That was bad. But then when, once we find out what that secret <laughs> is, it's, it kind of it's becomes weirdly charming. Yeah. It's, I but, mean, there's just... But it's, it's a great way of keeping your audience off kilter and, again, not them keeping them in a state of not knowing what to expect and we see him helping out in the crash more than we see other people yeah but we don't you can actually identify yeah, him. yeah but we don't focus on him which i think is interesting because later in walkabout we'll focus, we'll focus on, on, him. on that moment a little bit more um and we see him really right there in there helping jack helping move people out of the way however i would like to point out 
there's a moment where someone gets sucked into a jet. <laughs> and it's a great, like... It's fantastic. It's a great effects moment. However, I watched it again, obviously, and the guy's running past the jet. And Locke and is like, Locke, hey, don't do that. And, and he it goes, isn't until what? the guy stops. If Locke hadn't said anything about running near that jet, I think that guy would have ran past the jet engine and been fine. But he stops and be like, what's that? And he gets sucked in. Locke motherfucking killed this guy. And we've never talked. This has never been talked about. Um, uh, talking about like how intense the, that opening was, like, uh, my jaw was on the floor. Like I, I remember the. I remember watching this the night it aired, and I was by myself, actually, in my grandma's house because my parents were out of town, and I was on her couch in the living room by myself, watching this. And that man exploded in that jet turbine, and like, I, I don't remember like. Uh, high school Megan just had her jaw like completely on the ground, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just saw that on TV. Yeah. You Network know? TV. It, it was, yeah, I uh, was flabbergasted. And like to the point where it was so shocking that I never, I never stopped to go, hey, John Locke totally killed that guy. <laughs> there's the moment where he smiles with the orange in his mouth like the Godfather. Yeah, that was creepy. That was creepy. But it was clearly him trying to be like... Like, I'm making a joke. Yeah. Be and, my friend. If that's it, not John Locke in a nutshell, let me make a joke as I, as like an awkward joke as I try to make friends and well, fail at it miserably. Well, the story of John Locke in this whole series is a very sad one. It's, it, it's tragic. Yeah, it's really tragic. I would also argue, and it's not going to be until we get to season six, that season six kind of op- offers some of these characters a... A second chance opportunity. He never gets a second chance. Well, in the in the Flash Sideways universe, but we'll we'll revisit that years from now. Um, <laughs> but no, he but, he is but, a character. Um, his story is very is cut off very abruptly, and the person that picks it up is not John Locke. And so where well, the where the actor goes is interesting, but that's not the same character. But, but I think what what's, what's interesting about it is, and he's almost trying to like with that smile with the orange thing, he's almost trying to be human, show some humanity, be this guy, and knowing that he will return to this island one day in a very non-human form. I think is interesting because he's he's trying to be human now. He's trying to like, well, the the thing that he longs for the most is human connection. Um, he wants adventure and he wants you know all all that other stuff to just because he wants to be able to prove that he can. But what he lacks and what he's clearly trying to create in in these moments in the wake of the accident is human connection. And he'll get that with a few different people, but like in these moments, because he's he's been alone for a good long while now, leading up to this yeah. crash. And so we'll we'll talk about it more in Walkabout, but like you can definitely see him making the attempt here, and knowing what we know about him, it's like that's very charming and very sweet, and as we we alluded to, very tragic. But in this moment, knowing absolutely nothing about him, it comes off as very creepy and unsettling. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, that's John Locke. It was like, (laughs) stick with those red flags, everybody, because he's going to be a monster someday. (laughs) He does give, um, he does have the scene with Walt, and they're playing backgammon. And he gives the whole speech about the light and the dark. Foreshadowing. But th- to to the show's credit, it, it feels more it's like, hey, this is look I, this is more of a of a hey, look, these two These are themes that we are going to carry out throughout the show. And look, I know yeah. there's a debate of how much the writers knew where they were going versus how much they didn't, but I feel like this scene shows that they always were building towards Good and evil, light and dark well, kind of. Let's be fair. J.J. Abrams loves his Star Wars. He loves that light versus dark. There you go. <laughs> so I, I think it's a great scene. He talks about this game being five thousand years old, as we know that. I mean, the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This island is this island. Life on this island predates Christ and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting. Um, okay, so let's talk about our other three characters who get the flashbacks in this. We get a flashback from Jack, Kate, and Charlie, all... Moment, during the crash. Yeah. Oh, my god. Which gosh. is another great, like, kind of visual feast for this episode. Yeah, this is where the money went. Oh, my goodness. In Jack's flashback... We see him talking to Rose, the woman he will later uh, resuscitate, resuscitate, who also becomes a mainstay on this series, along with her husband, who was in the tail section. Oh, Bernard. Um, Like, it is funny going back to uh, and seeing Rose, because she's not a huge character later on, but, like, she she and Bernard are are kind of important. but like just that that scene of her kissing her wedding ring when she's on the beach, I was just like, yeah. I it, it reminded me of like all like how good it felt when they were finally reunited. But like in this moment when she assumes he's dead, like that's a devastating visual. Yeah. Talk, again, talking about the visual storytelling in in this pilot, it's so good. Um, but yeah, so that's and, Jax. And it's interesting that they even talk about the tail section in this first episode. Yeah. As, as if at some point they knew they would get there. They We knew, like, it's like a little thing. Oh, the tail section. Oh, that's going to be big. Like, it doesn't seem it right now, but that's going to be big. Um, you also have uh, uh, Jack in that scene. He's He sees uh, Cindy, the flight attendant, who also... Becomes a character come season two. Um, and, you know, gives him a little extra liquor, which he, he's later using for medical purposes. Everything happens for a reason, Megan. If you believe in fate. If you believe in that sort of thing. I don't believe in that in real life, but I believe in that in my entertainment. <laughs> I'm very, because it's written by people. <laughs> I'm very much an atheist in real life, but I'm very spiritual in my entertainment. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I, like, I love the idea of faith in my entertainment but in reality i'm like (laughs) um uh and so jack we kind of see him during the he tries to calm rosa oh this is normal this will be fine i'll keep you company and then 
shit goes hey where that guy was bouncing up and down uh, in the again eye. talking about how much of a visual feast it is like the the scene of the plane crash is intense and yeah it, seeing people hit the ceiling is is real real unnerving because you're like oh man the second that plane breaks apart um charlie we see cindy the flight attendant was suspicious of charlie and then charlie knows it and he races to the bathroom to 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 have get a fix uh, of heroin, and then Charlie, uh, you're in the middle of a comeback, man. You can't do that. Uh, Charlie, uh, the bassist for Drive Shaft. You all, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you all, everybody. Which is not a great song. No. Um. Uh, but he was he was in the bathroom getting high. Mm -hmm. Typical rock star lifestyle. Which, you know what? I've never done heroin. (laughs) But if I'm on a plane that's going down, I might be like, shoot me up. (laughs) Yeah, if if, like the plane is crashing, yeah, why not? (laughs) I get the mentality. Like, I think it's like Alan Arkin's character in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He's like, I'm old. I'm going to do heroin now. Why not? Like, and I then get he dies. It. I get it. He's old. Like I'm, if I'm, I've never done heroin, but like if I'm about to die, maybe I'm like, eh, let's give it a hey, shot. Hey, yeah, real quick. I've got what ten minutes. Um, um, but yeah, we see him getting high in the bathroom, and yeah, that's. And we see Kate handcuffed with the U.S. Marshal. Now, previously, before seeing this flashback, and this is another thing that I had forgotten. I, in my head. I thought that was something they probably held a little bit. Like, who's... Because they set up the mystery. Who are these handcuffs brother? Who did the U.S. Marshal... Uh, who was, who's really the who, criminal? Yeah. And after Sawyer and Saeed have that fight about it, we immediately... Like, Kate takes charge. Kate, by the way, who is playing dumb with that gun. She's playing... Like, she knows how to... Fo- like, we know. Of course. You know, she's playing so dumb with it, but very convincingly. And then... We immediately got the flashback of her. If you had asked me, I would have thought that was like an episode, two episodes later down the line. But no, they that's a mystery that they give yeah. us right away. I uh, Looking back on it, I, I was also thinking like, oh yeah, that must have been something that they held on to. I, I don't remember them wrapping up all the U.S. Marshal stuff as quickly as they did. And then here in this episode, it was like, oh yeah, they introduced it almost right away again talking about subverting expectations but having all of the groundwork laid for that reveal again good storytelling because the first time we see her she's shell-shocked and you know as she's stitching up jack she makes the comment of like if it had been me i would have run for the door very much setting up that she is the type of person to run away from her problems even though she's saying that as she's confronting something horrifying head on in this particular moment and i love that like she was still like this timid like i'm gonna you you think that you know jack's the the leader and she's gonna be his emotional support and that that's gonna be the role that she plays um and then they all get separated and she does the counting thing and then from that moment on she is so much more proactive and take charge and you think that's because like she she has learned how to deal with the fear but a lot of that isn't actually because her character development was motivated by jack it's because oh no she sees 
she sees the walls closing in because everybody's going to find out sooner or later, especially if the U.S. Marshal wakes up. Oh, and she's asking a lot about that U.S. Marshal. Yeah. He was sitting next to me, but I'm just worried about him, yeah. Which, uh, we don't know he's the U.S. Marshal. At that point, At that particular point, because Sawyer is the one who took the gun off him. Yeah, and the badge. And the badge. So, so, um, so we don't know he's the U.S. Marshal yet up until that flashback sequence. Um, it's interesting that is originally conceived, uh, Jack was originally going to die in the pilot and Kate was going to become the de facto leader. That's interesting. Uh, I I don't think I ever knew that. It was, that's the way it was originally, but then they, they. Very Z Nation of them. (laughs) then, Then they changed it. Um. I don't know how I feel about that, knowing, cause like. Uh, I have a lot of complaints about what they do with Kate's character a little later on down the road. It's kind of like by by bumping her from the role of protagonist, they almost don't know what to do with her well, for a little while. Let's get to this now, then. My feelings on Jack. Jack is the de facto main character of this show. Yeah. The series, you know, again, you've watched the series if you listen to this. The series begins and ends with this man. He's probably my least favorite character on the show. I do not care for Jack. I think Jack is annoyingly self-righteous. I think he is someone who... It, it drives me crazy because he sees impossible things but still won't agree with a lot. There's a ghost walking around? Definitely hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Jack is a character that I... Magical smoke monster? Logical explanation. <laughs> not in the pilot, but Jack is a character who, throughout the series, will frustrate me. But he's also a character who, even though I've got problems with him, I feel is redeemed. But he hits rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Good. You deserve to. <laughs> I've got I've got Jack issues that we'll get to throughout I, this podcast. I don't I really don't remember how I feel about Jack's character development as a whole of going from a man who who doesn't believe in anything but always tries to do the right thing anyway to somebody trying to do the right thing who now believes. I um I don't know how I feel about that as his character development. I was probably annoyed by it as I was annoyed by most things in this series, but in this pilot I love him as the protagonist. He's great in the pilot. He's and Matthew Fox's performance, especially during that scene um, when when Kate is stitching him up and he's telling the story, that's phenomenal acting. And I I really he might be kind of yeah as far as like typical white male protagonists go. Like looking back on it, it's like yeah he's pretty standard as far as that goes. But at the time, like in this pilot, he's so compelling. Um, and so interesting. And I, I really don't remember a ton about like his growth and development and backsliding. Like the, the main thing I remember is the love triangle between him, Kate and Sawyer, and then the rivalry um, he has with Locke in terms of like the philosophical debate and trying to control the island. I was always more on Team Locke than I was Team Jack. I, I think I was always more on Team Jack than oh, Team well, Locke. This will because, make it interesting as we go deeper well, into the series. Because, uh, and I, I think, it, again, it kind of ties into, like I, I sympathize a lot with Locke and where he comes from, but he's also the type of person who very early in the series was like, take me now, smoke monster. Yeah. And... 
<laughs> that would have made for a very different show if somebody else hadn't saved him. So we haven't even gotten to the plot of this episode. No. <laughs> We've been talking for nearly an hour, and we haven't even gotten to the plot of this episode. Um, because I think the plot of this is... Plane crashes. They... they go and find transmitter we meet all our characters and then they go up to the highest point to try to get the transmitter to work uh and that's when they hear the the radio signal and charlie goes where are we <laughs> um th- there are a couple things we need to talk about yeah we, there's we, actually a lot we, we do need to um, talk about that scene where they find the front of the plane well let, let, let's the quick breakdown is the first night they're all there They've built fire. Saeed's wondering why haven't people come, and it is weird that no one has come. Then they hear this noise in the jungle. It. This is, like I said, where it starts to feel very Stephen King, where you can tell there's something supernatural about this island. It's so stupid that, like, watching it the first time, I'm like, oh, are there dinosaurs on the island? Like, you know, I mean, now that feels I so mean, quaint of an idea. But you don't know. You don't know. I mean... Dinosaurs would have made more sense than what it ended up actually being. <laughs> no, uh, 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 an ancient being who can transform, who could take both corporeal human form but be smoke that kills people makes the I most just want, sense. I just want Sandstorm to play every time he, he the smoke monster comes. Well, Jack and Kate have decided we need to find the cockpit because we need to find transponder on the long list of skills that jack has being an amateur pilot was also one of them <laughs> yes uh, but it's, a, it's, an, that, man. it's an idea that makes sense and i think that somebody would have thought of maybe we should find out where the cockpit is because the, the black box there are things that logically you know are there and kate yeah. saw where it went and she's like i'll go with you and i think that's is to also keep away from the marshal and the beach yeah, she's like, if I just stay away from, like, the main crowd and hang out with this guy and, like, keep a low. Yeah. I, I think part of it is a genuine, like, I want to help and we need to get out of this emergency life and death situation. But, yeah, part of it is, like, if well, I if I just also need to, to lay low. Well, Kate also o- always knew that once a rescue team came, she's fucked. Yeah. Because there's nowhere to run. Um, and also Charlie really pushy about i'll come along too guys let me come along let me come along why because there's heroin in the restroom by the cockpit so they make their way through the jungle of course it starts to rain becomes ungodly weather they get there they climb up and i think it's another great scene another great set of very suspenseful oh And they get to the cockpit, and because J.J. Abrams directed it, who's there? <laughs> Greg Grun- Grunberg. Yeah, he's in Heroes. He's in Star Wars, The Force Awakens. He's in just about everything J.J. Abrams touches. Yeah, he's... I, I, and we'll, we'll see other familiar faces as the series goes on, too. Um, and he's the pilot, and he was knocked out, but he comes, too. I have to say, like, talking about um, this particular scene with the reveal of, like, the fact that there's no way help is coming for them because they they were so far off course when they hit. They the- were, like, a thousand miles off course. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Because their radio went out, which is super shady. It's like their radio went out. There's not a logical explanation for it. They turn around, and, yeah, when they're a thousand miles off course, that's when and they were gonna, something happens. They were going to try to head to Fiji. Mm-hmm. But... They're off course because of the island. 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the island is affected. Because island the... magic, yes. I mean, that that's the thing. And this is one of those things that I'm not going to... I mean, I know there's a moment later in season two where Desmond is like, I think I brought your plane down. Which makes very little sense. Oh, I would argue it makes sense. But because I'm doing this rewatch and I'm not jumping ahead, I can't remember. But I know if you talk to Will... Of, of 10 years ago, he could have explained it to you perfectly. And by the end of this podcast, he'll be able to explain it to you again. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. But, um, yeah, we find this whole thing. And then we hear, we get the transponder or whatever. And then we hear the noise of the smoke monster again. They're like, what's going on? What's happening? Pilot Greg Grunberg decides to stick his head out the window that's never a good idea because he gets sucked up and blood splatters onto the... Again, this scene was so good and like... It's so terrifying. Setting up the supernatural horror elements of the island, I really wish they had leaned into that a little bit more than like, ooh, magical fantasy. Uh, I really wish that they had almost kept it an unfeeling monster that, than to try to humanize it later on down the road. That but that smoke monster is... I, I would argue that thing stays scary. It's ripping off people's limbs as it's the series goes. It is a... vicious, and it gets gory. Like yeah. this, and like you see the remnants of the pilot hanging up in that tree, and you're like, what did that to him? What, what killed him and then like discarded his remains... In the tree branches. Like, did it, like, drop him on its way out? What happened there? They get out of there. They're running. Charlie falls. Jack goes back from Kate. This is the moment where she has her one, two, three, four, five. Uh, Still gives me chills. Yeah. Like, that entire scene is so well done and well acted. And, like, I will say that there's a little too much shaky cam um, between that plane scene and and the moment but it's meant to be frantic it was before shaky cam was overused yeah so i still think it's they they did it effectively it wasn't it wasn't obnoxious or nauseating but there was a lot of shaky cam there they eventually get back to the beach uh where they kind of stay mum about everything that's gone on they're just like pilot dead uh we got the thing, yeah, thing. <laughs> not and gonna bring up above that's the monster where there's a fight with sawyer and saeed and and uh, basically, Saeed's going to take a look at the transponder. He thinks he knows how to fix it because, you know, he's experienced because of being in the Republican Guard in the Iraqi army. Yep. <laughs> and he's fiddling around and he figures out that we have enough. Uh, we, have, we don't have a lot of battery, but we have enough that we can maybe broadcast that or, or hear something. But we got to get to higher ground. We don't want to waste it. Yeah, we got to get a signal. And this becomes now almost everyone who didn't go on the last adventure decides to go on this adventure. Hey, we want time to shine as characters, too. But I get it. Like, it, yeah. it fits with Boone that he'd want to go. And it fits with Shannon that at this point That now she would do it to spite him. Yeah, yeah. now <laughs> she's trying to show up Boone. Like, I could be useful, too. Uh, Charlie's just got to keep moving because, he, you know, he's, he's a junkie. He's yeah. Got, he's freaking out a little bit here. He's I love that to... he's like, are you going? Sure, I go where you go. <laughs> it's like an idle hands kind of yeah. thing. And Saeed knows what he's doing there. Kate goes because she's Kate. And Well, and because, like, again, if the U.S. Marshal regains consciousness, she doesn't want to be anywhere near there. And Sawyer decides to also go. 
I'm helping. <laughs> but he's being a pain in the ass the whole time. He's like, why don't we do it here? Why don't we try it? Oh, why isn't this a good time? And so he's like, we don't want to waste the battery. Saeed's being very patient. With I'm wondering her. if Sawyer, because he's initially sitting down when he sees the group leaving, and then we cut to him being a part with, like, with the group. And I'm wondering, I'm like, if he saw Saeed going and was like, I think I'm going to go despite that guy. <laughs> and I think he's also, like, he knows that there was a prisoner on this plane. And I think he's a little, I think he's a little curious. I think he's trying to figure out his own you little bit. he's you know, already suspicious of Kate? Because, like, we know that, like, he can, he gets a really good read on people. Yeah. Um, given that he's a con artist, he knows who's a good, who's a good target and who's a fellow criminal. I think he is. And I'm sure there's somebody listening right now who goes like, well, obviously he is, because four episodes from now, don't you remember that this happened? <laughs> no, that's why we're rewatching the series. Yeah. Um, but Sawyer... Uh, I could definitely see him the... going, like, I don't trust... But, you know, Sawyer, he's an inquisitive guy. You know, throughout the series, he's always reading a book. He's always, like... He's always thinking about... But we see him looking at that letter that we know will come into play later. The letter that he had written when he was young. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes along... And you know what? He's right. It's a good thing he did. And it's a good thing he takes that gun with him. Because what happens is they're standing there and something's running towards them. Is it the smoke monster? Who knows? Which we don't even know it's a smoke monster at this point. I know. I guess just whatever that thing is. Something is charging at him. We're only getting closer. Everybody runs, but Sawyer stands his ground because he's got a fucking gun. And he aims and he shoots and he shoots and it's a goddamn polar bear fuck this show <laughs> this is like i said this but is when you thing. watch that in 2004 you're I, like holy I was shit intrigued. what's a, you were like them like why is there a polar why bear why is there a polar bear there and you know what the fucking dharma initiative bringing animals is not a satisfying answer honestly like this whole pilot would have been fine without the introduction of a polar bear you don't need the polar bear to to lay the groundwork for the dharma initiative you don't need it it's stupid and it's a misdirect because of the monster the Um, polar bear never comes into play as much as i wish it had yeah it's i will admit that i will that is the one see as a that's the one serious weak link in this pilot but i also like I don't care enough about the polar bear. This shows this isn't a show about polar this, bears. This is um, the moment when I was rewatching the pilot where I was like, you know what? I've made a realization about J.J. Abrams in this moment. And granted, I don't know how much creative control. I'll have to dig into it as we do this podcast. I don't know how much creative control he had in the show as as the series went on. I, I feel don't like think mu- I, I don't think don't, anything. Really. I don't think so either. But J.J. Abrams as a person, given what we know about his um, philosophy about the mystery box, which for anybody who doesn't know, go watch his TED talk about the the mystery box. Um, but long story short, he his belief is that it's always you know what's what's it's better to keep the box closed because what your imagination comes up with is better than anything that's actually in the box because you open up the box you're ultimately going to be disappointed with it and this is what 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 made me it's this moment with the polar bear rewatching last night that made me realize i was like jj abrams is a really good idea man but either he gets bored with those ideas 
or he gets distracted with other ideas because I feel like what happened here is he came up with a lot of really good ideas for this first season and then went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go make Cloverfields because I I have this great idea for a monster movie and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do... Like he got all these other projects on his play and he got really excited about all these ideas but he's not as good with follow through or execution he's a great director i think he's uh i i agree about him being more of an idea guy but i don't think he was ever and i don't think the intention was for him to ever he was never gonna run this show no like it was he always was gonna really be a, good at setting up a lot of things and then he ran this, off and where they took it was not a place that pleased so me, i mean personally. for all i well we know damon lindelof came up with the polar bear <laughs> who knows i mean i mean we're putting but, a lot on jj here but that's look, fair. It, it, that is fair. We we weren't in the writer's room. We don't know. We don't know who, it's who either pitched him, the polar bear. It's either him or Damon Lindelof. <laughs> but, uh, uh... Damon, you want to say something? You want to explain yourself? Damon Lindelof, who is literally one of my favorites, because also The Leftovers, I, I adore. Um, that makes sense. The, <laughs> um, but, yeah, he... You're... The pol- the polar bear, I will admit, the polar bear comes into play a few more times in the series, but there's not... About as like, much as the horse. <laughs> there's no need for it to have specifically been a polar bear or something. Yeah, it could have been, been anything. any animal. It could have been, been a bobcat. It could have been a grizzly bear. It could have been yeah. anything that wasn't native to an island environment. And admittedly, the, the fact that it's a polar bear... It's a huge red flag because you're like, that makes no sense. Well, it it feels like they tried to think of the most threatening out-of-place animal and put it there. For for me, it it seems like a misdirect because it seems like it's making a point about the island itself rather than people who ended up coming here. Like, there's something magical about this island that, you know, an animal that shouldn't be able to live here is living here. Like, th- that's where my mind went, like, way back and when. And then they, uh, yeah, and then the, no, it's the Dharma Initiative brought polar bears there as part of their experiments, and eventually some of those polar bears were transported off the island into the Tunisian desert. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> you said that with a straight face is amazing um but (laughs) but for me and this is you're gonna hear me as we do this podcast you're gonna hear me talk about another show quite a a bit um there's a show that oddly enough meant for children called gravity falls it it's very in my mind it was it very similar to lost in that it has a a very charming set of characters it sets up a lot of mysteries but what it does better than lost is that it knew exactly where all those mysteries were going and once they got through telling the story they wanted to tell they ended the series even though the network was like no do more do more episodes do more seasons they the creators had enough um I guess integrity or stubbornness or whatever whatever nonsense word you want to call it but they they were like nope that's the story we want to tell we're done when did the show air uh like 2013 maybe 2012 to 2000 i would would argue that those people had the benefit of working in a in a lost paved the way for showrunners to be able to do certain because lost 
And and look, we probably no, here's we the prob- thing is that that there I have no doubt that uh, the showrunners for Gravity Falls loved Lost. But here's the thing: they know how disappointing a mystery with not great payoff is, and so that's why they knew exactly from the get go how certain mysteries were going to pan out. And there's a and here's the thing: is like there's so much similar storytelling to season one of Lost when you look at Gravity Falls as a series because there's so much planting and payoff and the devil's in the details. And one of these days, I will convince you to watch Gravity Falls oh, from beginning to end. I, I, it's I, great. I got no problem with that. I um, When we're done with this podcast, we'll do a Gravity Falls <laughs> We'll do a Gravity Falls special. It'll be great. Um, it's like Lost if Lost was better. <laughs> uh, well, uh... Um, and funnier. <laughs> Loss is funny. <laughs> Hurley's funny. No, it's got some great. It's, it's well, got some great comedic timing. But Lost is primarily a drama. Gravity Falls is primarily a comedy. We will get to. Well, you know, I keep saying we'll get to, and, and at a certain point, we probably should not refer to so much stuff down the line. But season three of Lost, I know, has problems because. They were fighting a network. And yeah. once they won that battle, I think the show changed in a lot of ways, for better or worse, that we can get into down the line. Um, but anyway, point is, Sawyer shoots a polar bear and saves everybody. Yeah. I mean, he's right about that. Yep. It's a good thing he was there with the gun. And Kate takes Although, the Although, yeah, I kind of have to agree. Uh, like, at the time, would not have trusted Sawyer with a gun. So I feel like they made the right move, given given the information at their disposal. Yeah, and Kate taking the gun, and the, you know, and it was it was good because it also asserted her character, kind of yeah. put hers. And and, here's the fact: even though that he used the polar, you know, the the gun to defend them against the polar bear, he's being a jerk right now as he's waving it around. I don't want a guy who's talking about being proud about being a criminal and having robbed a U.S. marshal waving a gun around around me. <laughs> that just seems generally well, irresponsible. He didn't rob a U.S. marshal. He did. That's where he got the gun and the badge. (laughs) He's robbing a U.S. Marshal like Jack is robbing suitcases for Well, and uh, Kate robbed a corpse for shoes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Give Sawyer Uh, credit with that. I mean, to Jack Jack and Kate's credit, like, the U.S. Marshal's still alive as Sawyer is looting his body. (laughs) Hey. Sawyer fucking saved their Sawyer's, lives. Sawyer's like, I'm not a doctor. I didn't know he was alive. He looked pretty dead to me. Boone would have gotten eaten by a polar bear. <laughs> if not for Sawyer. Oh. So anyway, <laughs> anyway. They make it up there. I didn't remember the climb being so arduous back when I first watched. But it seemed yeah, like a pretty it seemed arduous. like a, a jaunty hike back yeah, in the day. Yeah, but it seemed like a pretty arduous climb. They get to the top. Uh, Saeed tries and- it. This is such a devastating moment. Yeah. They, they're they picking up a signal, and it's French, and it's repeating. And they hear a number after each oh. one, which is the amount of times it's repeating, which it turns out then— It's been 16 years. Saeed does the quick math, like you did quick math for me off air <laughs> earlier. Um, and he does the quick math, and it's 16 years. And Shannon— uh, hears it and it's basically well, he's able to translate it yeah and she's able to translate because she's that's why she's there she's there for a reason sure. and um uh, later we find out it's uh this french woman rousseau 
But uh, oh my god, what 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 was it saying? What was it, it was? Um, yeah. She basically deciphers it like where it's basically this very panicked. Please come help me! It killed them all. Um, like please help me! And like so, you get the the implication that whatever it is, it was what killed the pilot. It's what we've come to to find out later. She's probably referring to the smoke monster. Yes. Although, let's be real, her her hands are not clean. Um, but we won't find that out until later. The implications that we get here is that the smoke monster killed everybody and probably killed this woman, too, because this message has been on repeat for 16 years. And she was making the assertion that she was the only one left on the island at that point. And, or at least out of her little group. And then Charlie asks... Guys... Where, Where are, are we? we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the first. That's the first two episodes. The pilot, the two-hour pilot. Of I, Lost. I am with you, Will. I think this is one of the best pieces of television. It's one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Um, it's phenomenal. I've seen a lot of pilots, you know, fail to find its footing, and you know, a lot of pilots that are slow burns. This pilot was enthralling from beginning to end. There were a few missteps here and there, but like for the most part, it does everything it sets out to do. It sets up really good mysteries. It establishes a huge cast of characters and it's action and suspenseful when it needs to be, but then quiet and character driven when it needs to be as well. So it's a fantastic piece of television and it's this pilot that kept me watching for seven stupid years so one fun thing we talked about possibly doing was because you're the anti-lost i'm the pro-lost uh of doing a thing in which we uh, maybe have to say a pro and con like yeah. i have to say something negative about an and episode i, you have, I to have to be nice and say something positive and, and, but this first one it's tough to i think that's gonna really fall more into play the deeper we get because this first one uh, I, I feel mean, like we're for the most part we're we're on the same page in that like the only con is like the polar bear yeah <laughs> my con would be the polar bear same here and obviously our pros are all this great character development to create everything that really that you've already you good, literally just said in a good speech directing uh, yeah that just so, everything this episode does right it does really right but as we get to more controversial episodes i'm gonna try to trot this idea out again force you to say something nice and i will say something maybe negative critical yeah. critical it doesn't even have to be negative it just has to be like a critique of like hmm yes looking at this this is where the episode falls short and i don't know why you're british now <laughs> um that's another thing that's going to happen over the course of this series <laughs> you will become more and become more british more and more british um so look this is you're listening this is this is what it's going to be. Yeah, This is what it's going to be. Like I said, we probably, we've gotten out a lot of our base thoughts about Lost in this episode beyond breaking down the pilot. So I have a feeling in future episodes, they'll probably be a little bit more episode-specific driven. But we wanted to give you a sense of how we feel about the show in general, where we're coming from. and, and Make it very clear up front, this is all spoilers. <laughs> yes. And we want, uh, you know, and if you're enjoying this, maybe you'll go back and do a rewatch that's, with us. That's kind of what I, in in some ways, I, I'm kind of interested to really, re you know, despite my earlier metaphor about it being, you know, 
the the journey not the destination and that backfiring on you sometimes that i really am interested if going back and rewatching the whole thing from beginning to end will change my opinion i don't think it will but maybe going back and going through it season by season um i'll i'll see merit where i used to see shortcomings um i don't think it will change my opinion at all. I might be willing to be a little more critical of things yeah. like the poll. I probably seven years ago when the series ended, or eight years ago, whatever, when the series ended, I probably was wouldn't have been as quick to admit the polar bear thing is kind of pointless. I probably <laughs> would have been more staunchly defending it. But um, I there's no way I'm not loving this thing because obviously it means too much to me already. However, I bet you. You, you will get annoyed, but I bet you it won't be as bad as you think because it doesn't have the pressure that it had yeah. the first time. I, I think it helps knowing where... I think it helps knowing where the destination is that that decreases the pain a little bit. Um, but yeah, it'll be... So it'll be interesting going, going through it again and seeing if my opinion changes at all. I don't think it will. I think maybe I will be a little bit... Maybe by the time we get through it, I will be a little bit softer on it that being said we're still in the in the honeymoon stage so to speak the this first season you're gonna hear very little complaints from me later on down the road will i'm going to say some very mean things to you and i i hope that our audience out here knows because you we've had this discussion knows that before. you're a terrible person who knows says mean things that, to her friend knows that that's coming from a very emotional visceral place i'm not mad at you i'm mad at the show so when i say things like fuck you and you're an idiot and <laughs> like i don't actually think any of those things guys i i just want to let you know that you will later on down the road be hearing very very distinct profanity from me and i'm not gonna be able to help it i'm sorry i cannot wait till we get to season five <laughs> oh you I monster you to... terrible smoke monster um on that note uh megan do you want to like uh where can people find you on twitter uh you guys can follow me on uh twitter and instagram at the Menguin. that's t-h-e-m-e-n-g-u-i-n and I'm on Twitter at the Real Will Link. Oh, be sure to follow our podcast at No Love Lost Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I almost forgot that we had a Twitter. It's we a good do. Thing we... we have an official Twitter now where people can go and follow us and tweet us your thoughts about Lost and the pilot and whether or not you love this series. Or if you're like me and you're like, Gravity Falls is way better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was running on Twitter feed on a piece of paper to remember to, to mention it uh, in the future. Um, okay, so uh, when you hear us next time, we'll be talking about the second episode. Um, until then. Stay sexy, don't get murdered? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, no. this is a developing show. I We're was going to so say, like, uh, what is, like, there's no lost catchphrase. Like, the yeah. truth is out there. I was about, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of a lost title. I was going through every lost thing. Um, We've got to go back. <laughs> until then. Like, that's yeah, the closest I, thing I think lost has to a catchphrase. Until then, not Penny's boat. Oh! <laughs> We'll figure out. So tweet at us and let us know what you guys think our sign-off should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network. Um, Off the Cuffs, which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being There, Will Sean podcast. Will he? Uh, he does. <laughs> uh, you would know. Drinks with God and proud to be kinky. Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for, for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love. Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars. Do that. And then also give us five stars. Yeah, we could use it. 